0: Hello and welcome to the Celtic Way Morning Briefing for Wednesday, the twenty-fourth of November. Uh, today, to discuss all the latest Celtic news, I'm joined by TCW writer Tony Haggerty, who's live from Australia. And I believe that's not your bedroom, Tony. That is a stadium you're live from.
1: That's This is the Common Bank Stadium in Parramatta, which is about an hour and a bit away from where I was staying in George Street, uh, Sydney. And it's currently 3-1 to Everton just now, but... Another wonderful arena and if you hear noise it's that's what's happening. That see that glass, but that's press box looks down, it's kinda of panoramic view of the stadium. It's a, uh, it's, it's cracking, it's uh, another another wonderful venue. Currently 3-1 to Everton against Western Sydney Wanderers, the Sydney Cup finishes today and I I was told to just go on a watching brief and enjoy it and yeah, just finish finish what you started basically in a mastermind style. I've started so I'll finish
0: were you impressed kind of what you'd seen in the match so far
1: yeah everything have, have looked really good but Sydney Wonders have had their moments. scored an Equaliser also hit the on their side of the bar and could have gone ahead so it's a, uh, it's strange to actually sit and watch a match even without worrying about doing stuff you know it's kind of a weird feeling and I don't like it although to be fair I've just sent you a diary if you haven't or so I was kind of doing stuff as you do you know you're never not working
0: still just ticking over correct the, the grey matter of the brain, you can probably hear it ticking from where you are, you know. So, there you go. So, uh, switching gears obviously uh, to Celtic related news, uh, as you can see from the, the title of uh, this video, we're going to be discussing the uh, recent comments from Ange Post and Caldwell just talking about the transfers. Uh, these were comments that came out last night. So, just before we get into that, if I can just draw uh, the viewers' attention to the ticker down below. We've currently got uh, the Black Friday offer going, it's £1 for six months of full access to the website. That includes everything from podcasts like this, features, uh, interviews, tactics, scouting, etc. So if you're not already subscribed, get yourself involved because that's a deal we're currently running for Black Friday. So Tony, uh, we will come to obviously Andrew's comments uh, from yesterday. He was kind of asked about transfer business in general and he went into some specific detail. I'll quickly just uh, list off a couple of these quotes. They had sort of context. So he was asked uh, whether or not he gets excited by this period of the transfer window and the prospect of potential new signs coming in. So uh, Andrew replied, I'm always happy. I'm always excited. There's always something that needs to be done. It's not just about bringing in new players for the sake of it. It has to be players we feel can take us to the next level, which is what we've done so far. And he was also sort of prompted about uh, whether or not there was signs already lined up. Obviously, the club's been linked with a UK Kobayashi, Visele Kobe, and uh, and, Ang sort of teased (laughs) fans saying, it's fair to say there's a couple lined up. It's how we've done things and how believe we need to be. It's how I'm built. I don't like rushing in last minute. It's not always the case, but we did it with Matt O'Reilly in three days last year because we've seen an opportunity and moved really quickly. Now, Tony, Listen to that. What's your sort of just general thoughts on those comments?
1: Well, standing right next to him when he said those questions, I asked the excited one and he shot that kind of smile, you know, and then one of the other guys asked him about, is it fair to say there's a couple coming in? And he just kind of looked at him and, went, and he laughed and he went, yeah, it's fair to say that, yeah, you know, and it was just say he was teasing us. But I, I think like everything else, the... We alluded to it yesterday, I spoke about it, that Celtic are acting like a big club, and they're getting all their ducks in a row, and they are planning ahead. So this is not something that, you know, has been sprung on on the January window. I think Celtic have done their due diligence on a couple of targets, Kobayashi being the the obvious one. Now, speculating as to other uh, potential, you know, departures, or someone coming in to fill in any kind of gaps, you know, it will be... We, the Josip Juranovic still hangs in the air, doesn't it, with a question mark? We, all depending on the World Cup and if offers come in for him. You know, and I, I got the feeling that even if offers came in for the likes of Jota and O'Reilly, as I said yesterday, Ange wouldn't want to pack company with those guys right now. So uh, as for other positions, and then again, as Ange and Ange have seen what a lot of fans are seeing, that... Is he going to target a striker? Does he think the two strikers we've got are good enough? Uh, that's that's also uh, speculation and conjecture. But I think he's on the ball and all over it regarding signings coming in. And, yeah, I think uh, there'll be at least a couple, possibly more. But, again, you know the way he works, I think. With the likes of Matt O'Reilly, he was presented with an opportunity very late on. But I can only assume that he knew all about Matt O'Reilly because he acted so quickly, didn't he? After the Riley McGree episode, which, which which wasn't allowed to linger. That happened, and then within a day, I think Celtic had Matt O'Reilly in the bag and, and everybody was kind of like, okay, that's fine. And having watched Matt O'Reilly, eh, I think they believe that they've got the better deal out of that one.
0: Yeah, I think in terms of O'Reilly, it was made clear the club had been scouting for a wee while, even potentially before Andrew maybe even came in. So they had the information there. I'm sure the manager looked at him a few times to decide what was going to happen. And it does show you that as much as he's very keen to say that most of the work's been done, if another Matt O'Reilly-esque opportunity sort of appeared, eh, the club were quite happy to move quickly on it. Yeah. So I think it's good to have that sort of balance. You don't want to be that the last minute. What, has that been allowed to on it? will be another goal uh, it's looking like yeah it's another
1: goal for Everton I can just see the screen the top left yeah looks like a goal for that will be 4-1 Everton but no but I also took from his comments Aiden and I could be wrong on this but it might well be that there's a couple of deals already being done
0: yeah and yeah that was interesting announced them.
1: Uh, you know what, what like they did last year when they brought in the I think they announced the guys the three Japanese guys even before the window was officially yeah. opened didn't they yeah so, emails, yeah yeah, so I think it could be something like that. There might be the couple in the pipeline that he's talking about that those deals are done and it might be well that just prior to the window opening they will announce them. As to who the other one is, Kobayashi, I think, so. it's one of those uh, football secrets, isn't it? Or not a secret, an open secret. So I think it's safe to say that that, that could be over the line, but until you're told, then so be it. But, and then possibly A and other. But just quite... You know he's a, he's a good poker player that way uh, in terms of uh, letting you know information about players so and and i think like all big clubs that's the way you've got to you've got to operate so that nobody knows you know i think the the, the Kobayashi one came out from the japanese end didn't it? i believe japanese media were the first to to be on that because obviously somebody has has tipped a wink to someone uh, in the far east to to let them know but you know in general most uh, most of Celtic transfers, you hear about them, and then it's only a short period of time before they're done, aren't they?
0: Yeah, that is usually the case. The probably the exception being um, when Adalgucchi, Maidan, Hitati signed last year. I think the first links were October or so. Yeah, and then there was more and more links, sort of progressing and progressing, and then I think about a week or so before it, it was basically confirmed they were going to sign. We just didn't know when in January, and then. You got that brilliant surprise and hug when you're maybe getting ready for your night out or whatever, and you've seen three players bang bouncing in. Uh, you know, like, oh, this is brilliant. Celtic will never did transfer a business like this in recent years, anyway. So, yes. yeah, it, I'd imagine it's been a slightly similar pattern, and that when the link emerged for uh, Kobayashi, it, it I think it was October, about last month yes. or so. So it's falling around about the same time frame. So I'll be interested to see if between now and maybe when the football comes back even on the 17th of December, of that links progress again.
1: And I also think that Ange Postecoglou knows that part of the world. He knows the media, he knows the market, doesn't he? So he knows if he's going for a player, he probably accepts that it's not going to stay a secret. Because, yeah. I mean, lots of clubs deal with the uh, transfer speculation in different ways. But he's probably comfortable with the fact that it's been leaked over there as opposed to, you know, over here. If you get what I mean, that makes kind of sense because it's something that you said experience of working in, and uh, and and, work, and working with people. So maybe it's come from reliable and trusted sources that you know he, he just refuses to shoot down or say anything, uh, any 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 more about it.
0: Yeah, definitely, and I'm sure the sort of added interest on Andrew's transfer movements in the Japanese market. There's more sort of eyes on that than ever before, whereas the Kyogo one came in relative under the radar. you didn't really hear anything. Nobody was really expecting it. The, the Japan, from my Japanese side of things, if I remember rightly, like the, the media, it kind of just came out of nowhere because it was during the season. Uh, obviously, after that, there was a lot. Of, <clears throat> excuse me, there was a lot of interest, uh, which is probably why it got leaked so early that Maida etc. was coming in, and it's the same. That's case. So yeah, I'm sure the manager would have expected that. I don't think he's really that bothered as long as the player yeah. definitely comes in in January. But uh, obviously, just touching on the the potential transfer business, it looks like a centre back is whether it's Kobayashi or somebody else. In general, that looks like a position the club are targeting. Uh, we touched on yesterday talking about the striker uh, aspect uh, of whether or not the manager would bring one in. What would be the sort of you know skill set he was looking for, I think we sort of agreed that ideally it'd be somebody that is a first choice who can come in and challenge uh, Kielg or Yakimakis. and if the manager doesn't think he can get that it's probably likely he'd maybe wait till the summer Uh, and and, uh, the way we were discussing it to bring in another striker. I was just wondering Tony, is there another uh, position on the pitch that you think, or a couple of positions that you think maybe need a wee bit of depth?
1: I'll say we're, we're shy of a midfield enforcer. A real kind of a ball playing midfield enforcer, if you want to call him that. You know, I, I think we're well stocked for a uh, tremendous uh, technically gifted footballers in the midfield, Hatati and O'Reilly and you know, we've got Callum McGregor coming back. But I still like a you know, a ball winning midfielder. I thought Oliver Abogard was going to be that guy, you know, that kind of holding anchor. Role and he had lots of height and he, his passing stats and all that bore out the fact that he, he he fitted the bill and he looked apart but he's just not been able to force his way into that team and get as many game minutes as I think a lot of Celtic supporters thought you know so we'll, we'll just wait and see uh, you know I, I'm of the opinion you can never get enough good players in your team and, and you shoehorn them in don't you? you you find a way or a system that suits them and with Andrew rotating them you know it's always good to have good players in your squad i mean you, you could turn around and say yeah we need this that and the next thing the manager knows what he needs doesn't he if you goes then you'll need a new right back will not you bottom line that, that's the thing uh but i still midfield and force are kind of dominant midfielder striker i'm not first if we don't sign a striker if we do great but i don't think it's in In my mind, I don't see it being an immediate priority, but lots of fans see it differently and see are being negligent with a lot of chances, and we need to get somebody who's far more prolific than Kyogo and and Marcus. but these guys cost a lot of money too, and as you say, I don't know if they'll find that person in the January window, because if they do, it's it's possibly a stopgap, isn't it? I'd rather they did their due diligence and intelligently and found someone who'll fit the bill and, and maybe get them in the summer that kind of thing but yeah i mean that's it's all it's all exciting isn't it to be fair the manager said himself it gets exciting. so there's clearly working on things there's things on the boil you know and just waiting to come you know simmering away and i think just waiting to come to the boil so we'll see we'll see what happens
0: yeah i completely agree tony and it's probably the case that the only way you would get that sort of first-choice striker in is if one or the other two was either one or the other two was maybe to leave or you sold somebody for quite a lot of money that allowed you to open the funds to go yeah. and spend, as you said, a bit more, uh, which is always striking to balance. You don't want to be losing key players in January either. No. Uh, just while we're talking about, uh, you know, squad, depth, squad recruitment, it's been a post today a couple of times in the comments there. Yeah. Uh, I did a piece yesterday, it was part of the newsletter, it's up on part of yesterday's newsletter, but up on the site today, about uh, we ourselves need to strengthen in January. And I, I touched on the centre-back aspect and there's a few more positions I mentioned as well. So if anybody's interested in kind of exploring this conversation a bit further, that's in the comments, which take you to the site and you'll be able to see it. Uh, in that piece, I, I did mention about the potential for maybe another number eight coming in, Tony. Yep. Uh, Obviously, I appreciate there is a lot of depth in that position when everybody's fit. Obviously, Cal McGregor's back in the six, he can also play a bit forward. But you know, Matt O'Reilly's there, Rio Hittat there, David Turnbull, eh, Aaron Moy. But I, I was sort of making the point that since top Roderick left, I, I don't think we've replaced that sort of playmaker style of yeah. number eight, and yeah. maybe that's something that's slightly missing from the midfield, particularly in the case of when Matt O'Reilly's having to move back. So obviously you've got Itati who can really do a bit of everything and does most of it pretty well. But maybe on that other side, Turnbull's still developing into that role because he is still a young player. I think he's only 23 or so. And then Moy, who I think is probably done a lot better than maybe people would expect him, but he is getting on a bit. He's coming to the really the end yeah. of his eight years. Still got plenty of football in him, but you know that way of being able to run about and press at a high rate, you can kind of see that he's maybe not got that anymore. So do do you think that's maybe a position they could look at either January or the summer?
1: Well, you can either look at it two ways. you either sign someone to fill the Callum McGregor on it, let McGregor go further forward, or you sign, as you say, a number eight, a creative type, to replace the the dazzle and the feet that left you and Tom Rojic. Going. so I, I think it's a, a toss up between what the manager's thinking on that front, because you have a plethora of midfielders, but you maybe need one in that position in either the eight or the six, depending on what way he's thinking. Uh I would say the six to be fair. Uh, and also if you get if you get that player, then that allows because cal- Callum's great going moving further forward. He's also good in the six, you know, but. I think you've stifled Matt O'Reilly's creativity by moving him back, and I'm not saying that he's been poor since he's gone into that role. He's been terrific, but I think if you stifle, if you move a player back and you stifle that, but Matt O'Reilly's got a lot to offer going forward, so that's why I'm inclined to think if you get a six in, you can play like Sam Mcgregor further forward, O'Reilly further forward. Hattie's got a bit of everything. You know, pair him that with Moy and Turnbull, you know, all of a sudden your midfield's looking pretty healthy. So I've been inclined to go with a six, but I wouldn't rule out and'm signing another eight. You know that that's that's fair enough. And talk as talking of signs, I put a TikTok on Aiden earlier, and I met a big, uh, let's say, a, a cuddly toy kangaroo. I just I, I just asked it if it could play left centre back. You know what I mean? So I didn't get any answer. Still waiting on that answer. I was down at Paddy's Market, which is the equivalent of the Glasgow Barrowlands, But if you're on the Celtic way TikTok and follow that, you'll see it. Still waiting answer answering, but doing my bit, my scouting bit
0: for the club, if I can, you know. Trying to get a scouting feet Tony. Quite right. <laughs> uh, just when we were mentioning Aaron Moy there, obviously he was in action last night for Australia against France. Yeah. Uh, you you said you've you seen a good chunk of the game, Tony. I managed to catch a bit of it as well. From what I've seen, Aaron Moy started okay. He did fade a bit. Uh, obviously, you know, given his age, given the heat and the sort of, you're playing against the reigning modern champions, at that end, 4-1 to France. But Australia had opportunities and obviously they started the game now really well with that opening goal. Were you impressed with, with the soccerers from what you've seen and what we you impressed with Aaron Lloyd? They did a brilliant
1: start. To be fair, them scored a wonderful goal and we settling. they were settling right into the game uh, when they conceded the equaliser. You know, but you're playing the world champions and you expect that. And then within, within not too long, of, you can see an equaliser. They went 2-1 down and it rocked them a wee bit. But Jackson, everyone hit the post with a header. And he was really unlucky because I made it two weeks. But, I mean, they fought well. But I, I guess it was a question of class telling in the end. You know, the world champions have got Mbappe and they've got uh, Oliver Olivia Giroud who replaced uh, Benzema. Not a bad replacement, eh, when you're calling on guys like that. And I... Uh, I think he scored two goals to draw level with uh, Thierry Henry as the leading French goalscorer in so, the uh, national team. So that tells you all the quality, you know, but the soccer news gave a right good fist of it. And as for Moy, Moy, I was impressed with Moy at the start. He was kind of dictating a lot, but again, which I've noticed as well, and sometimes with Celtic, he, he faded, you know, as, as the game wore on, like a lot of his, his teammates, he wasn't alone in that. But, you know, I, he, they certainly gave France a fright right at the start and were good value for the lead up until the french pulled it back and once france scored i think the right was on the wall but you know they they, they, they played well enough you know and i uh, uh i like to look at my for a time but again it was that the, the 90 minutes thing you know he, he gave he gave what he had but uh his influence waned the further the game went hence the final scoreline but, it was 4-1 but it's certainly not a disgrace for the australians they were they were the hammer, it was a strange game because they had their moments you know and they, and they as i say, they took the lead game, gave the french an almighty fight you know
0: yeah it was a positive start from australia and it was almost angela like they go like that in terms of the yeah, yeah, yeah. bat and pressing the ball and um, it's always going to be tough playing the world champions i mean a lot better teams in australia are capable of losing four goals plus to the French national team, and obviously Mbappe, he sort of looked, I know he missed that chance in the first half, but he looked back to his best. Giroud eh, time the record eh, Terry Ornay, like you said, Tony. Eh, Griezmann, you know, they've got, they've got so much quality. You can sit here all day sort of rhyming it off. So, yeah, I thought Australia done okay, and I thought Aaron Moy did all right. Eh, is it, in terms of more World Cup action, Yosef eh, Uranovic, he is an action for Croatia right now. It's yeah. currently 0-0 and their uh, group F game with Morocco. So, be interested to see how he gets on. Obviously, there's been a lot of discussion about him. So, yeah, that'll be an interesting one. Uh, we've also got a uh, Maeda. Whether or not he starts, we don't know. Obviously, but he'll be in action, or he's in the squad anyway for Japan's game later on today in the World Cup. So that's uh, a couple of Celtic players uh, in action in Qatar. How much of the tournament have you seen so far, Tony? I know you've been obviously busy working quite a lot, but have you managed to catch bits out here and
1: there? The, the strange thing is that the games are on, you know, you get four games a day. The games start at midnight, and it's like midnight, three in the morning, six in the morning, and then nine o'clock at night. So it's, it's a real weird one. But I, I saw the England game, I saw the Tunisia Denmark game. Tunisia Denmark finished now. Now, yeah, saw the entire Ecuador game because that was opening game. I made sure I watched that. And then I, I watched the 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 Australia game last night. And then, like Aaron, my eye faded. I, I kind of fell asleep near the end, but the game was done and dusted by then. Uh, so, yeah, I've been trying to. It's just it's becomes like you know the game show endurance, try to stay up awake, wide awake to watch it. I watched England for the warriors in fact, and to see how they were looking. But again, I didn't think Iran were up too much, so it's not really a gauge. But played as well as he could play last night, you know. So uh that that was that. But you know, a couple of comments talking about Australia being terrible, and see I'm I'm not a fair with how Australia have been in the lead up to this game. I, I thought they gave as good as they could get last night, you know. And you know, Lippi, 33, saying he's been watching the Australian team for 35 years, and it's the worst he's seen for technical ability, lack of quality and passive tactics. I'm not, as I say, au okay with the Australian national team when he comes back in and he says they the worst XG against the World Cup so far it's twice as bad as Iran. They They're awful. I'll take that as local knowledge. You know, Beach Boys saying Australia were honking as bad as Iran and Qatar. The right back looked like a lead to a Scottish player. Moy did what he does best, run sideways and pass the ball sideways. You know, I, I didn't see that with Alan Moy. I thought he was... For a spell he, he looked quite good so eh uh, but it's all about opinions isn't it it's all it's all different isn't it so there you go it's uh, but if if loopy's got more insider knowledge in terms of how australia played, then about to that you know for one yeah it's a bit of a doing but uh, they, they did have their moments from the game i watched but then again i'm watching at six o'clock in the morning in the hotel room i might be you know jet lag tired or whatever but it, it was still an entertaining game and they, See, for a, for a spell, the game as good as it got, and Aaron Moy played quite well for a spell too. So that that's the game I watched.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, you are playing the World Champions, so it's going to be difficult. But I can understand Australian fans that have been quite excited for the World Cup have been watching the teams for years. It's never nice seeing your team lose 4-1, no matter how you're playing. He yeah. you covered that, obviously, with Celtic in the Champions League. You, yeah. you, you can never be too positive about your team getting scalped. So <laughs> yeah. I understand that. Obviously, just more about the World Cup in general, I uh, mentioned that he could potentially be in action for Japan later on. Uh, there was some recent quotes that came out from uh, the player himself, just talking about, so a difficult start he had to the season, really. Obviously, he'd rece- been receiving a wee bit of criticism, despite his goals and assists, Becker's still been okay. He-, he missed a couple of chances in the Champions League, as a lot of the players did, but he, he was probably coming in for a I personally think a bit of unfair criticism, but you know, it's all about opinions. But he's been discussing how Harry Cool's helped him. Yep. And he's mentioned that he's been an important factor in him sort of improving his form and working one to one. So, uh, some of the quotes from Maida he said he's been sharing his experience with me, talking about Harry Cool, and we've been watching videos together, we've been having sessions together, and it's helped me a lot. During my pro career, indeed my whole time in football, I have never met a coach like Harry. It's thanks to him that I'm really enjoying my football again and also improving my skills. It's down to Harry that I start to change my approach at Celtic and now performing better. He is very good at establishing relationships with players. Do you know? And
1: we spoke off air, and I mentioned uh, I did a piece with Davis Keller Dunn, who used to play for uh, Ross County, and I've just put the link to it in the in the in the comments page, and if you want to read that, Davis Keller done said exactly what Maida said there about the one-to-one time and how he will improve all the, the attacking players. You know, there's been an improvement in Jota, there's been an improvement in Kyogo, there's been an improvement in Giacomakis. Maida has met that he's made, he's he's improved, so I can only put that down to the work that Harry Kuehl is doing with the... The wingers and the forward-thinking players. If people say, "Oh, these guys, the strikers have been improved because they're missing chances," but I'm talking about in terms of movement and being there. Okay, strikers miss chances, but there wasn't many, many better strikers and Harry Kuehl out there, been there, seen it, done it, a master of his craft, and somebody who commands respect. And you know, and, and if you're listening to that, then you are a uh, you, you, you you are taking on both. And you'll, you'll, these wee tweaks that you'll make to the game, Sean calls and what's that, the idiosyncrasies and behaviours and all that. So, and, and why wouldn't you listen to somebody like Harry Kuehl if you're a forward? Then I, I'm actually quite delighted that Maida said that about Harry Kuehl and uh, you can see his influence and in, in that he is having an influence and I'm just letting them have that influence uh, on that Celtic team. And in times
0: during the season,
1: you could definitely see that, couldn't you? Or I certainly could.
0: I think there has been a, a clear sort of improvement in a lot of players, really, since since Ange came in, first, and then again, uh, this season, uh, particularly the start of the year, and whether or not all, a lot of that in terms of the forwards doing Harry kill we don't know. But obviously, in the case of Maida, uh, he feels that Harry kill had a big impact in another If that's the case, if he's even doing that for one, two players, it's yet another really positive appointment or signing if you want to call it that from Boston Corgo. Uh, obviously him and Harry Kuehl was one of the commenters was saying there. Uh I think it was Yeah, they'd never worked together before. So that shows uh, showed you that it's also somebody given the yeah. Australian, the obvious Australian connection, somebody that the manager was keeping an eye on. So it's good that you've got it sounds basic, but you've got coaches that can do the one to one stuff like that. I, I think we've heard before that you know whether it's Andrew himself or Kennedy and Stratton, they're involved in doing this the overall like training structure as they have been for a while at the club. So I find having somebody can maybe do. I'm sure they did do one to one stuff as well. I'm, I'm not saying they didn't, but having maybe somebody with the career that cool had, you know, Champions League winner, played at several major tournaments, eh, played in the Premier League for years, really at the highest level for Liverpool and and Leeds etc. It, it must be good to have somebody like that around.
1: Of course, right and. Kaiser comes down and it echoes my thoughts as well. You know, I was just saying that about strikers that they miss chances, but you wouldn't think there was improvement there. But creating them and the movement, you know, to be in the right position at the right time is fantastic. And I, I, I think that too. That's all. That's all stemming from Kiel, you know, and and how you conduct yourself as a striker. How to you know shake off markers when when lots of teams park the bus, as they say against Celtic. So it's great that Maeda's actually listening taking it on board and saying that Harry Keel going out his way to say that with, to do that with all the all the players. Because as I say that the reference to the Davis Keller Dunn piece, that's it's deja vu for me because that's that's what he said. And as I say, we'll put it uh, in the comments page. We'll maybe put it back up on the website Ed, and you can compare and contrast or, or just compare because it will be very similar to what uh, Dyson Maida is saying. because uh, Kayla Dunn said that Harry Kuehl was the the best coach he'd worked with in terms of uh, football and knowledge and ability and, and knowing where to be, knowing what to do, you know, a master of his craft and his position. So uh, when you said that about uh, Maida, that, that was my first thought. My first thought was I recognised that because somebody else spoke it to me and told me that's what would happen. So, And I think it, uh, it all goes well for Selge, doesn't it? And Harry's Harry's over in uh, Australia working for SBS, which is uh, the... The Australian channel that covers the World Cup, so Harry will be expanding his knowledge as well, watching players and telling people what he's learned, and maybe even recommending players to Ange Postecoglou as well. So, you, you can never uh, not listen to someone like that because they've got a wealth of experience, wealth of knowledge, and also being there at the World Cup, he's expanding that. Uh, working for Australian TV, so and they love him over there. They just they just think he's a total legend. So yeah, it's. Uh, uh, that's good news for Celtic that to be honest
0: it definitely is it's been a really good appointment from the manager so far it seems, and it seems to be bearing through. in this individual case uh, and I've seen Harry getting some praise as well for his, oh another goal it. yep,
1: looks like another goal for Everton yes, 5-1 we're running away with it now He's
0: He's The coffees are flying I think in terms of Harry Kiel, he was getting some praise online for his punditry uh, on the Australian yeah. channel saying he was very analytical and uh, among other things but obviously just switching gears slightly uh, you're getting ready to come home now tony it's tomorrow are uh, you bring up well, tomorrow tomorrow your I, time. i'll leave you Again, right. later on today our time tomorrow your time uh, you begin your travels back so obviously uh you've been doing your diaries and i'm sure you have sort of a, a, a roundup piece coming at some point but what's uh, your overall experience it's been really positive from what we've it's seen fantastic.
1: fantastic it's been absolutely fantastic it's been the experience a trip of a lifetime but just in general the experience a kind of cultural experience and just you know watching celtic on the other side of the world and uh, just seeing the joy that it brought to a lot of people you know people travel from all corners of the globe to watch Children, and people travel from all parts of australia Well, people came from perth from brisbane you know, western Australia, all sorts of places but you know just that that feeling and people talk about it and it sounds very twee but it is that family that celtic family and that celtic connection that just as i say that diaspora that's spread eagled all all over the world and you really got a feel for it when you were here and the, the the just the unbridled joy that they felt that the team had come all this way to australia and that they were getting the china talking to people and they were saying i've not been back home and ten, twenty, you know, twenty-five years, stuff like that. Uh, and you say just to actually see them in the flesh, it's just it's, you have no idea how much that means to them. And uh, and it was a strong team that they put out both times. They got to see likes of Jota, they got to see Jackie Marcus Kyogo and uh, Matt O'Reilly. So they were just delighted at that. And it's uh, and I think the I said before, but the good gospel of Celtics being spread. I, I spoke about Bertie Ald being a a professional celtic supporter after he finished playing and he would just bestow the gift of celtic to anybody that wanted it and i i kind of saw that in action for myself that you know just in general people were being told about celtic if you want a celtic supporter or not and lots of people were curious this invasion of the green and white hordes and uh and it was just uh, it was a joy to watch it was a uh, you know i i i feel very Humbled and honoured and privileged that I was allowed to do this, and it's something that will live with me forever. I've never travelled as far as this in my life. I got the jet lag to prove it, you know that kind of stuff. And I, you know, the tales in the diary that I've shared with people, I hope they've enjoyed that. Just give you a wee kind of flavour of the experience. But it's been absolutely sensational, and uh, it's more than lived up to its billing. It surpassed my expectation, you know, and I'm I i can not wait come from 24 25 degrees to three degrees at uh, uh, glasgow that'll be three
0: degrees um, is generous tony to be
1: honest I, yeah, yeah, exactly, oh, yeah. Yeah. you know so yeah you know when you're a, a tram ride away from the sydney harbour bridge and the opera house and that kind of backdrop you know it's uh we don't have anything like that in you go bright to match it even you know sadly but hey all good things come to an end but it's been as I say, it's been an honour and a privilege. I, I just hope people have enjoyed the diaries, have enjoyed what we've written and enjoyed the TikToks as well. Uh, it's I see you never lose sight of that, just feet in the ground firmly that you're doing something that a lot of people would love to do. And I always say that I just hope that it comes through and the, your your own passion for what you do in the in the writing and videos and the podcasts and stuff. It's uh, yeah, it's it's been it's been one for so much the diary, but one for the memoirs if I ever decide to write them, you know?
0: No, yeah, it's been great seeing you, Tony, over there. The content's been good, the TikToks have been going down great. So safe travels back. Uh just just before we obviously clock off, which I hadn't we might start to do. Thirty-five minutes have been going for uh when you get back to get you starting and Tony. Uh <laughs> just just before we go, obviously, just what to the point again down to the ticker down low. £1 for six months with full access to the website, podcast, features, tactic pieces, uh, scouting pieces, etc. Uh, one of our contributors, Stuart Ross, has just filed up a piece on Mikey Johnson looking at his time in Portugal so far. So, yeah, all there. Yeah, that's all there for you if you're wanting to get your bag in terms of scouting tactics, we'll see how Mikey Johnson's getting on. But, uh, just want to say thanks again, Tony, and thanks for no, your no, 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 your to no, in
1: Uh, It's been great. Uh, Back to reality soon, Aiden. You know what I mean? With the warbs up behind me and all that. You know how it is. uh, With my table. But uh, yeah, tremendous. But thank you. Appreciate it.
0: No one.